Underdog Collectibles is an online shop run for collectors by collectors. Join them every Sunday, Tuesday, and Thursday night as they break new products, talk sports, and hopefully you'll pull a great hit to add to your collection. Visit them at www.udogcollect.com and tell them Waxpack Hero sent you. Remember, always bet on the underdog. You're listening to the Waxpack Hero Sports Card Minute, a podcast where we discuss both the hobby and business sides of collecting. I'm your host, Mike Summer, and I want to help you buy, sell, and trade your way into a collection you'll love. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Wax Pack Hero Sports Card Minute. I am an avid listener of Dr. Beckett's podcast, and over the last few months, there's been several topics that I felt needed a little more clarification, or I had some questions about. He piqued my interest, and I wanted to go a little bit deeper. And since he kind of limits his shows to about 15 minutes, sometimes I feel like there was room for further exploration of the topic. And so I had sent him a note, and we decided to get together for a conversation just to explore a few more of those topics in a little more depth. So earlier this week, we got together for about an hour and talked through several different questions and I believe we're both going to split that conversation up into multiple parts and both use it for our individual podcasts. And so here today, I've got the first uh, first section of those conversations or of those questions, and it's going to hit on some topics that are a little bit more hobby financial related. So I hope you enjoy it. I'm going to go ahead and run that interview right after I talk about Starstock one of my new favorite trading card platforms. You know, I'm a big fan of ComC as well, but Starstock is currently processing submissions way faster than ComC is, and that is something that's important to me right now, and so I'm continuing to build a, another submission to go into Starstock. If you've got rookie and prospect cards of from the three major sports of baseball, basketball and football, I would recommend checking out starstock.com because I think you will find that with their low fees and no processing fee that they might be a path that you want to explore if you're in the market to sell some cards. All right, now let's run the interview with Dr. Beckett. There's a, a few of the topics that have come up over some of the episodes I thought maybe warranted a little uh, deeper conversation. Not so much that I disagree or have different thoughts, but things that I thought maybe it would be good to expand on just a little bit. And, you know, the, the first couple are maybe a little more financial related when it comes to financial topics in the hobby. And recently you talked and touched on cash flow positive and whether or not we need to be cash flow positive when it comes to our collecting or our buying and selling. And it seemed like the, the general thought was maybe, maybe not. And it kind of depended on the time frame. And I wanted to touch just a little bit more on that. And I think what you said makes a lot of sense. And I would suggest people go back and look at that. But one of the things that I wanted to touch on is, would you ever suggest someone use debt as a part of extending that time frame to get to break even or to get to cash flow positive. Well, uh, you got to be really careful on this because people can listen and take things out of context. You've done an excellent job of summarizing, but 
the uh, cash flow positive is in the time frame is you know if if uh, your family says hey uh, or your financial situation is you've got a hundred bucks a month to spend on the on on your hobby uh, by cash flow positive I'm not saying that you have to make you could spend that hundred dollars and put it away and that's not that to me that's cash flow neutral above above and beyond what you've already allocated so you're saying okay you've done that for this one month you've spent your hundred bucks that that is in the budget family budget and all that stuff and then all of a sudden a collection pops up and the collection is worth a thousand dollars well if the collection is you're going to buy it for a hundred dollars you know do that but you know you wouldn't you, you wouldn't go into debt to buy a thousand dollar collection for nine hundred dollars or eight hundred or seven hundred even five hundred i I would not be interested in doubling uh, you know even double to me is not good enough to borrow to no money to put it on my credit card this credit card you know, interest comes fast so but I believe that there are deals out there not so much brand new stuff but pig and a poke kinds of things which I think you have seen. But if, if there's a, uh, a coin that is a really good deal and you've checked it out and you're buying for 10 cents on the dollar and you have the ability, because you've also mentioned the time value, you have the ability to get that hundred bucks back. If you spent a hundred for a thousand dollar collection and that was borrowed money, you ought to be able to see that you could get that paid off within a month. If you yeah. can't, well, now you got long-term debt in the hobby. I don't like that. I don't like that. So I'm not sure that answers your question, other than other than uh, being prudent. Again, if you're if you're a collector and you're not planning to sell stuff, if you're, you know, then you, you problem. You 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 have to sell. I mean, you, not everybody has to sell, but in a cash flow, uh, if you're a cash flow neutral or positive. Uh, collector more than an investor, then uh, you need to you need to see your way out of the debt in a sure thing kind of a way. In other words, you you're easily collateralized by what you purchased, even in the event of a downturn. Yeah, I I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, the thing that I that concerns me is sometimes we I run into other collectors who rationalize something as too good of a deal to pass up. And so they're going to go into debt to do it when it's not necessarily a sure thing that they're going to be able to get that money back and pay off that debt. And to me, that's a different level of risk and a different different level of financial commitment than using savings or cash to be able to purchase some of those types of things. So, so and thank unfortunately, you. people that are going to get most in trouble with this are the most passionate ones, the people that you and I really enjoy because they love the hobby. And if they're buying something that's a grail card, that's in their the PC, their personal collection, that they're just, they're, they're a super collector and they, they see a one of one, this is, it's, it's do or die. Unfortunately, it's, it's die. <laughs> and they may be overpaying. And so to borrow money to overpay, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're on dangerous and you're on potential ground of addictive behavior. Yep. You know, a thousand dollars is different from 10,000 is different from a hundred thousand. And as you pointed out in, 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 in your comments to me about the millionaire next door, 
you know, if you're a millionaire, then spending a thousand bucks on cards is not a big deal. If you're a billionaire, spending a million dollars is not a big deal, as we've found out. Right. But if you're a thousandaire, if you're not the millionaire next door, uh, and you know, you're you you need to be careful. And uh, you know, the what what you've pointed out and the 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 books point out that many times millionaires are slow and steady. Yeah. Make prudent decisions that accumulate over a lifetime, that uh, generate a net worth of a million dollars, which is which is wonderful. Yeah, I, that and that's one of the other other things that I I thought we could touch on is you you had touched on or alluded to some of the um, common traits of millionaires that were in that book, uh, a millionaire next door, and or maybe questioning a little bit if that's still the case um, today when we see some some people flaunting some things and flaunting whether it's personal items or cards even. Um, and I was just, you know, wanted to touch a little bit too on, on, I think there are a lot of those characteristics that still maintain their, their um, truth today, as far as that slow and steady approach, um, people living below their means, avoiding um, debt whenever possible, and, and some of those types of things. Uh, I was just curious if you had done much additional reading or conversation about some of those other characteristics of of people who might be well-to-do or might be millionaires and see if there are things that apply to the hobby that are are similar characteristics in, in, in the things that you've experienced. Well, I have experienced that and I, I did read the book and I, you know, I, I, I read a lot of books and I, you know, I try to track what's going on. And I think that uh, you sent me some excellent materials but they were, you know, if you define uh, a millionaire as someone that has a net worth of a million dollars, then that includes uh, some number of people in America and is a, an aspirational goal for, for many people. For many people, though, that is accomplished by appreciation in their homestead, in their, in their home. And so to me, uh, the the book, the materials you were sending in the Millionaire Next Door is kind of about people that have a million dollar net worth. Yep. But there's other definitions of a mil, millionaire, like a, a liquid millionaire, someone that has a million dollars to that, that they can get their hands on, that they can invest. They have a stock portfolio. That's a different kind of millionaire. And I think those are the ones that that are that are that are flaunting it a little bit more. And then there's also people that make a million dollars a year and a million millionaire earners and whether it's from investment income. And so they have, you know, money to play with, money to give away, money to, 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 to blow. And so it depends on your situation. My comments that you picked up on, and I'm glad you're asking for clarification or that they're millionaire wannabes. Mm -hmm. It's millionaire. In some cases, apparently it must work that if you fake it till you make it, if you act like a millionaire, that's, I, I, I don't get that, but uh, perhaps that works some of the time. Uh, not recommended, <laughs> but um, there's this uh, conspicuous consumption, uh, sometimes in the hobby, by acting like you're a player, then people then perhaps go to you and think, well, this guy's a player, uh, I've got this big card, and um, and maybe that works. 
in a rising market, that's the, that's the problem, uh, Mike, in a rising market, we can all look really smart because everything's gone up in the last six months. Touching on that rising market idea, you've mentioned several times about the idea of the industry being a balloon and that we ideally would like to see some air let out of the balloon versus the balloon popping. And I was curious to know a little bit more about what would that look like to you? What would it look like for some of the air to be let out of the balloon? Uh, the best way I could say that is uh, if tomorrow, and I don't want to speak this into being, but, you know, cards went up 10% last month, let's just say. If next month they went down 10%, what would that mean? Well, that could actually be air let balloon because depending on what cards are offered sale at 10% less than they were last month, there are collectors out there that are not, not even millionaire collectors, but collectors who are ready to pounce if something they want is down 10%. The problem, that, so that's to me letting air out of the loop. If the next month cards go down another 10%, there are still collectors out there ready to pounce, not on everything, but on the things that they want. The problem with the balloon popping is if you have this, if you have a, a big decline and things become unsaleable, that's the problem. But if it's sitting in your collection, if you put it out there on eBay or some other place to sell it, and it gets either no bids or bids way below a reasonable reserve in your mind, that will freak people out. There's cards that have gone up 100% in the last six months. If they went down 50%, which is, you know, doesn't, can't go down 100%, but they go down 50% to go back to where they were, the stock market does it all the time and people don't freak out because there's still, there's, you know, it can't be just supply and demand. There has to be demand at that price. And if the price goes down a little bit, again, some of these cards, people, I mean, they're ready. People are ready to pounce right now if cards go down. To me, that's letting air out of the balloon. If all the cards come up for sale at the same time, they, they, then there's not there's not um, there's not 23 people out there that want to spend a million eight on a LeBron James card, no matter how nice it is. That are all going to want their own copy of that number to 23 card if they all came out at the same time. Would that crash the hobby or crash? Make that card be a lot more reasonable. My guess, you know, we can't say. Maybe, you know, it's not like a Hannes Wagner, but even the Hannes Wagner is not is not safe if uh, the economy got bad. So, like I say, there are no sure things. Part of part of where I was wondering with that letting there out of the balloon even comes from that level of demand. We've seen a lot of new entrants come into the hobby over the last couple of years. Some people returning who collected as kids. And so I think some of that increased price is a result of the increased demand that we've seen. And I was wondering if part of the fear that some people have is that some of these new people who are into collecting now are going to have a mass exodus and lose interest really fast too. And I was just, you know, part of that conversation about letting out of the balloon, part of it for me was also is that a slow removal of certain people who have entered the hobby or not. The problem is there if, if when 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 prices go up, 
in, a, in classic economic theory, when prices go up, um, demand is supposed to go down. <laughs> but it doesn't in this hobby. When prices go up, demand also goes up because it's the latest thing. Now, when prices go down, also demand goes down for those people you're talking about who are going to bail. Yep. But they weren't really both feet in the hobby. They were only to their latest thing. And uh, I think there's a substantial group of people that are, I think it's the greatest hobby in the world. There's a substantial people. And I'm, I'm betting that most of the people that come in that have come in in the last six months are going to stay. And if they don't, if there's a dip and they get out, then, um, then that could another be another way of, uh, of letting air out of the balloon again, the really serious collectors would have like to have less competition at lower prices, except yep. when they go to sell. So, uh, I think that's, uh, I wish we could resolve that once and for all, Mike, but, um, you know, we will see, it can't keep going up 10% a month. Yep. And so, like I said, the scenarios of it going down 10% a month, a couple months, that would be a splash of cold water. And if people bail on that, they weren't the ones that were willing to persevere and saw the, the, the full benefits of enjoying a very wholesome hobby. So thank you, Dr. Beckett for coming on the show and having a conversation. I hope all of you out there enjoyed hearing a little bit more about Dr. Beckett's thoughts on some of the financial related topics in the hobby. Let me know what you think at waxpackhero at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter at the Mike summer and you can leave me a review on your podcast app of choice. I would really appreciate hearing what you thought about the show and what you think about other potential topics. I'm always open to hearing what you would like to hear me talk about. Also, check out the Hobby Hotline live every Saturday morning and Monday night. It's a live call-in show where you can call in and chat about whatever hobby topics are on your mind. We'd love to hear from you there as well. That's all I've got for you today. So I'll catch you next time.